Welcome to the Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church Podcast, where the Reverend Leo R. Thomas is our pastor. As a church, we desire to preach and to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that all are saved. We hope that you're encouraged by this message. Good evening, family. It's Pastor. It is June 3rd, Wednesday, June 3rd. We're in a brand new month and uh, we thank God and we praise him. Uh, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. To all of our family, both near and abroad, Mount Sinai family, of course, uh, we're thinking about you, praying for you. I know you're praying for me because I can feel it. Amen. Uh, and we're praying, of course, for our listeners who are in other states, other countries. Uh, once again, I cannot reiterate enough how much we appreciate you and the fact that you would take time out to think about, to tune into this small church down in the city of San Pedro, Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church. Listen, I know there's a lot going on around us with all of the civil unrest and all of the things that's happening, the looting and uh, unfortunately, in some cases, the vandalism. But uh, please keep in mind the reason that most of this started. I say most, not all, because then I will be speaking on behalf of the people who are out there. Uh, but there are people out there, believe it or not, who are protesting uh, in a very peaceful and civil way. Uh, don't allow the news or the media to frame the narrative or to cloud your judgment into believing that everybody out there who are on the protest line uh, are out there for the wrong reasons, amen? This is really about uh, changing behaviors that appear to be systemic uh, and that have been a part of the culture of the great United States of America for hundreds of years. This ain't about police brutality necessarily. It's just about injustice in general. Amen. I, I pray that you would receive that uh, in the way that I intend for it to come across. Uh, but I'm praying for you and I pray that you would be praying for all of the unrest that's going on around us uh, as God is uh, allowing some things to take place in order to get the attention of the masses. Amen. I, I believe that uh, sincerely. Uh, but I'm praying that you keep your wits in the midst of it all. Hey, listen, we got to get to the word of God. That's the purpose that we've come here tonight. And that is to uh, to glean from God's word what he would have us to know and what he would have to say to his people at a time such as this. Pray with me, family. God, how we bless and praise and thank you, Lord God. Once again, you have allowed us to come to thy throne of grace and thy throne of mercy, Lord in order that we might learn more of your ways. God, we pray tonight, Lord, that you would touch the sick and the shut-in and the bereaved. We pray, Lord, that you would undergird them with power and with strength. We pray tonight, Lord God, that they would feel your presence like never before. God, we ask that you continue to bless the Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church family and not just our immediate family, but all of those across the country who call upon your name uh, for those who lean on you, Lord God, those who uh, have surrendered themselves unto you, Lord, and proclaim that you are their Lord and their Savior. Now, God, tonight, we ask that you would just touch us in a special way. We pray that you would give us revelation for that which is in your word, Lord. We pray that you would give us the ability, uh, that you would give us the strength 
to unpack that which we read tonight, Lord God, that we might have a clearer understanding and apply the principles and the doctrines of your word uh, to our everyday life, that we might walk closer with thee. Now, God, we ask if there's anything in us that is unbecoming, uh, that is not indicative of who you are, that is antithetical to your will, your way, and your word, remove it even now, Lord, uh, that we might receive what thus saith the Lord. We ask these in all blessings in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. Family, listen, we're turning in the book of Mark, the New Testament, the book of Mark, the book of Mark chapter 4, uh, verse 35 through verse 41. Verse 35 through 41, I will not keep you long tonight, uh, but I think every Baptist preacher says that, amen. Uh, but I mean it today. I'm not going to keep you long tonight. Listen, in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through verse 41, you'll find these words, and this is based on a very familiar story that many of you are know already know. I know you've read it. I know you've heard it preached. I know you've heard it taught. But tonight, I want to give you a little bit of a different spin on it uh, and see if uh, there are some principles here that we can apply to our everyday life. Here's what the Word of God says. And the same day, when the even was come, he said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. They had sent away the multitude. They took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest not that we perish. Verse 39 says, and he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his holy word. Under normal circumstances, I probably would title this message tonight, how is it that ye have no faith? That, that would be under normal circumstances. I think I would spend a lot of time focusing on the faith factor. But since we're in a series on Wednesday evenings, uh, I want to stick with the theme we've been dealing with for the last couple of weeks, and that is don't ever underestimate the authority of our God. Don't ever underestimate the authority of our God. It had been a long and challenging day for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He had sat in a ship just off the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He had used that ship as his pulpit. And as he preached to great multitudes God had allowed the people to gather there in order that they might hear a word from the Lord. When the day was over, he called his disciples to set sail for the other side of the lake. When darkness fell, 
the disciples were making their way across this little lake. It wasn't a long, uh, it wasn't in the midst of the sea, it was a lake. And yet while they headed for the other shore, Jesus, the Bible says, uh, lay asleep in the rear part of the ship. Uh, he was weary from ministering to the needs of the people all day. He was weary from the people thronging him. He was weary from the fact that he was leading and teaching and developing the disciples. And now he has a moment to rest. Jesus said, sail, if there's such a thing, on a fishing boat. That's what, it's, what this was. It wasn't a yacht. It wasn't a massive ship or a cruise liner. It's a, it's a fishing boat. And his command, his desire to his disciples is, I want to go over to the other side. I want to get to the other side. Most of these men, as you remember, were used to being on the Sea of Galilee at night. They had to be because the fact of the matter is they were fishermen, most of them. They were fishermen. And uh, there's no doubt that they had on numerous occasions spent evenings on the Sea of Galilee because of their trade. But some events would occur on this night that would change their lives and the perceptions of these disciples, specifically as it pertains to the authority of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Th these brothers found themselves in the storm of their lives. And perhaps that's where some of you find yourselves tonight the tsunami of divorce is looming large tonight and you just feel like you're at your wit's end. Yeah, maybe you're in that type of storm. I don't know. But the tidal wave of degenerative health issues has sent you into the depths of despair uh, that you didn't even know were possible. And tonight you're having a hard time coping with the reality that life may be very different going forward. I don't know. Maybe the tidal wave of financial instability has come crashing on the seashore of your middle age life. And the last thing you want to even think about is the possibility of a career change. We, we are living in a day and time in which we are all uh, on a journey. All of us are on a journey and we are sailing toward an unseen port. And as we sail, storms will arise and potentially toss us to and fro. Yeah, you, you just have to expect that in this life, it is not to expect in a negative way or a pessimistic way, but is to expect that either you are in a storm you just came out of a storm and or you're heading toward a storm. That, that's the reality of life, family. I know some of you don't want to hear it. I know that that's difficult for you. It's painful to even consider. But the fact of the matter is we as believers are always in a one of three of those modes. Did, did you get it? We're either in a storm, we're coming out of a storm, or we're heading toward a storm. We often think the storms of life are going to destroy us. And I want you to know your storms were not sent to destroy you, but to develop you, to grow you, 
to mature you and to prepare you. My goodness, man, that's a different twist right there on storms. But I got to unpack the text in order for you to really believe what I'm saying. What was the purpose of this experience? Why was this storm allowed to rise on the Sea of Galilee while Jesus, no doubt, is in the boat with the disciples, and then that's what really got we got to figure out, man. We gotta we gotta figure out what, what's the purpose of this thing. What, why? I know many of you, if you're like me, you've asked yourself on occasion, why is this happening to me? Why is it happening right now in my life? Why is this the third or the fourth or the fifth thing I've dealt with in a row? Maybe you can take some notes from this text, and maybe it will help you tonight as you continue to grapple with those sort of questions in your life. Here's the first thing that I see here. The Bible says in verse 37, I want to just jump to verse 37. The Bible says, and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. That's what the Bible says in verse 37. Here's the first thing I want you to catch is I want you to catch the danger of the storm. There's danger here. This is not something small that can be ignored. This is not something insignificant that you can just turn a blind eye to. The Bible says that the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. In other words, the ship had taken on water. And let me apologize in advance for uh, for this, but the presence of Jesus on board does not guarantee smooth passage. What preacher? I can't believe you just said that. L- let me say it again, and I'll apologize once again. The presence of Jesus on board does not guarantee a smooth passage. On the contrary, the enemy will do his best every chance he gets to stir up storms in the lives of God's people. Some believers proclaim and hold fast to the prosperity gospel. And that means if you're saved, we will be rewarded with wealth and health and happiness. And and I can tell you, I've been saved for 29 years and I've not found that to be true. I've not found that to be true, that just because I believe in God, and I'm committed to him, and I'm surrendered to him, that I am rewarded 100% of the time with wealth, health, or happiness. The Beatitudes, which begin the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, ought to convince us of that fact. You should go back, make a note to go back and read the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five, verse one through verse 12, and you'll get a different picture of what comes along with being saved. Believers are not exempt from sickness. Believers are not exempt from poverty. Believers are not exempt from natural disaster. Believers are not exempt from bereavement and various ills of life. What Jesus promises us, get this, you got to write this down. What he promises us is not his protection from the storm, but his presence in the storm. Did, Did you get that? Did you receive that? He does not tell us that there won't be storms. What he tells us is I'll never leave you or forsake you in the midst of 
the star. Body tonight, that has to be uh, groundbreaking for you. That in the midst of whatever it is you find yourself right this second, God is still there with you. Listen to me. He he said he'll never never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, He's there. He does not promise us that we ain't going to have some troubles in this life. Yeah, I I said ain't again because I know that irritates some of you. Uh, He he ain't going to leave you. Yeah, he ain't going to forsake you. Uh, he ain't going to abandon you. The fact of the matter is he's still there. But in the midst of this situation, they're, they're, they're in the midst of danger. This is a serious situation. This is not just something minor. And I know for some of us as believers, anytime anything happens in our life, if sprinkles begin to fall from the clouds, it's a storm. I'm not talking about that type of, I'm talking about serious things that jeopardize your very existence. Life-sudden disasters have a tendency to shake even God's most elect sense. What must it be like to be caught in one of the disasters of life without Jesus? The ship was now full. That's what the Bible says. These seasoned fishermen are frightened by the severity of this storm. The ship is rocking and reeling. It's full of water and they're afraid that it's about to sink. It was a violent storm and to add insult to injury, it's nighttime. Yeah, that's the part that creates some trepidation for many of us is that if I could just see my way through, but the fact is there is darkness around you that is clouding your spiritual vision. They couldn't see where they were, how close they were to the shoreline. The Bible tells us there were other ships with them uh, and they were, let's be honest, they were in danger. They were in danger and they feared for their lives. And I don't know who you are or where you are tonight. I'm telling you, your fear is real. It's real, but I'm telling you, there's an answer to your fear. There's an answer for your fear. Don't 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 allow uh, the enemy to make you believe and to try to convince others around you that you're not fearful. This is a serious situation. You cannot deny that they were in a storm. You cannot deny that the boat had taken on water. You cannot deny that they were in fear of their lives. This is the reality. And for some of us, our biggest issue is we don't want to face reality. I'm not here to tell you that your situation isn't serious. I'm not here to convince you that you ought not to be concerned about where you find yourself. What I'm here to tell you is that God has an answer for the problem. That's what I want you to know. Uh, This is a lot like what we face in the storms of life. When they come, they're often severe and cause us great anguish and pain. Storms of suffering blow into our lives and devastate us with heartache and heartbreak and turmoil. And sometimes it appears that one after another, Uh, They seem to bury us under a blizzard of affliction. There are many tonight who could testify about the storms of suffering. But I want you to know there is danger, the danger of the storm. I want you to know 
they were in serious danger. Uh, but not only is there the danger of the storm, let, let's jump right into this one because this is the big one, the doubts in the storm. Verse 38 says, and he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow and they awake him and say unto him, master, carest thou not that we perish? The greatest storm that night was not on the Sea of Galilee family, but in the hearts of the disciples. That, that was the greatest storm. The storm on the sea whipped up the storm of doubt within them that threatened to drown them. And I'm telling you, whoever you are and wherever you are, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever you've been through, when doubt begins to creep in, if you allow it to stay, it can drown you. It can drown you in sorrows. It can drown you in depression. It can drown you with a mindset that convinces you that God cannot bring you out of your situation. While the storm is raging around them, Jesus, the Bible says, is fast asleep in the back of the boat. They run to him and wake him up. Now, listen to me. This is critical. The wind is blowing and the waves are raging, there's water in the boat and the Bible says Jesus is asleep. Now, I don't know about you, but that just appears oxymoronic. It's almost as if that statement, that line, that text shouldn't even be in the Bible. It doesn't even make sense to me that he's sleeping while all of this is going on and to the degree that he doesn't even wake up. The word awaken means to rouse from sleep. I believe the Bible is telling us that they went to where he was sleeping and they began to shake him in order to wake him up. I believe that these men are terrified. They've lost all hope of even surviving, even surviving this storm. Now, before we begin to criticize these brothers, family, listen to me real quick. Perhaps we should consider our own hearts in the matter. Have there ever been times when the storms are raging in your life and it has caused you to question, listen to me, God's concern for you? You might not have said it out loud, but you were thinking it. It was, it was in the back of your mind. It was keeping you up at night. It was allowing you to have anxiety that was rising in you to the degree that it was hard to even stay focused on the goodness of God because all of your thoughts were driven toward the fact, God, do you even care about me? Do you, do you care what happens to me, Lord? Don't you see me, God, in the midst of all of this? I can't even provide for myself. I can't even uh, take care of myself. God, don't you see the condition that I'm in? And there are many of us tonight who are struggling under the weight of don't you care about what is happening to me? As faithful as you are, you're questioning whether God cares. As biblically sound as you are, you're questioning whether God is still with you. As grounded as you are, you've had moments of distrust and moments of disbelief and moments of skepticism and moments of uncertainty. And let, let's just make it plain, moments of doubt. Yeah, moments of doubt, that, that really is what the second thing is that there's the there's the danger of the storm, but then there's the doubts in the storm. 
the doubts in the stone. They are doubting whether Jesus is even concerned about them. And let me tell you, family, there is nothing that can zap the power of faith faster than you doubting whether God cares about you. You you smiled and held it together for as long as you can. But the real truth of the matter is you have questions about if God really cares for you. He appears to care for everybody else around you, but not you. I just want you to know tonight, God cares for you. Listen to me, family. Those of you who are listening abroad, God cares for you. He he, he loves you. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 and 16, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Listen to this second part. Listen, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Grace, family, is what you need, but you don't deserve. And the word of God here tells us you'll find it and that it will help us in our time of need. Don't you know, family, let me tell you what this means. This means that in your time of need, God is always near you, but in your time of need, he gets even closer to you. <laughs> yeah, he, he says, I know there are times when my, my youngest baby, she getting big now, she's 15 years old, but every now and again, if she's a little down, a little sad, I have to pull her close to me and say, come here, sweetheart, let me let me hug you. Lay your head on my shoulder. Let me let me comfort you in the midst of whatever it is that's going on in your life. Listen to me, family. Sometimes God has to bring us in close in order that he can comfort us. But the fact of the matter is he does care for us. He, he does care for us. Their question was born out of fear, not faith. And the question was, carest not thou that we perish? Remember, It was Jesus who had sent them out onto the sea in the first place. That's, once again, this is mind boggling because technically, if you wanna look at it this way, technically, uh, Jesus is the one who puts them in harm's way. I know that might be difficult for some of you to receive, but the fact of the matter is, it was at his request that they go over to the other side. And in the midst of doing that, which he had called them to do, which he had told them to do, that he had laid out for them to do, the fact of the matter is the storm rises. And has God ever told you to do something and you knew it was him, you knew it was his voice. And yet in the midst of it, Everything got turned upside down. Yeah, yeah, that everything got turned upside down. I, I'm gonna come to that in a minute. I'll give you some insight to that thing here in a minute. Uh, these men had left everything to follow Jesus, and now he's led them into an impossibly dangerous situation. They're afraid that Jesus is just going to let them die. And that's what it means to perish. They're saying, you don't care that we're going to die out here. They needed to be reminded, as we often need to be reminded, that Jesus did not save you to abandon you. That, that, that doesn't even make sense. 
He's absolutely committed to you and will never forsake you. Doesn't mean that there won't be some storms. Yeah, doesn't mean that. But but he's committed to you and he'll never forsake you. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse five. The Bible says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Did, Did you get that? The word leave means to let sink. Literally, that's what it means in the Greek, to let sink. The word forsake means that he won't abandon you, desert you, or leave you under any circumstances. My God, if you didn't get nothing else tonight, you, you got to get that. Listen to me. He won't let you sink and he won't abandon you or desert you or leave you under any. So if you lost every dime you had right now, God won't leave you under any circumstances. If your health began to fail or to wane right now, God will not leave you under any circumstances. When the storm is raging, when your boat is rocking and reeling, when the adverse winds are blowing, when the waves are crashing against your vessel, I want you to know he will not let you sink and he will not leave you under any Circumstance. Somebody ought to point to themselves right now and just say, he won't abandon me. He won't abandon me. He hasn't abandoned me and he won't abandon me. God is still here in spite of what I think and in spite of what I feel. That's the reason you don't walk by what you feel. We walk by faith. And as long as we walk by faith, we have to believe and grab a hold of the fact that God is still here. My goodness, I'm preaching to myself. I, I don't know if y'all receive it, but I'm definitely preaching to myself. He will hold you up and never desert you under any circumstances. Jesus Christ is absolutely unequivocally committed to you. I'm, I'm going to speak on your behalf because I don't know if you have the power or the spiritual discernment to say it for yourself. So I'm going to say it for you. Jesus Christ is absolutely unequivocally committed to you. Hmm. The Bible says, and he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, care is not that we perish. The first thing, the first thing family that we see in this short story is we see the danger of the storm. But the second thing we see there, verse 38, is we see the doubts in the storm. And there's so much more there that I can unpack. We just don't have time uh, to do it. But then here's the last thing, verse 39 through verse 41. Here's what the Bible says. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? How how is it that you've been saved for 20, 30, 40 years, yet ye have no faith? I'm just, I, I added that. That's not in the Bible. I just added it because I had that question myself for myself. Amen. How is it that you can be saved and gone through so many ups and downs with God and come over so many mountains and been through so many valleys with God and yet ye have no faith? But then verse 41 says, and they feared exceedingly. 
uh, they, they were frightened. They were scared to death, as a matter of fact, and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And when they woke Jesus from his sleep, he began to work. Yeah, he, he immediately took charge of the situation. Listen, family, let me drop this in your spirit. Whenever you invite God into your situation, he doesn't come in to just be a participant. He comes in to take over. Why? Because God has the authority to do so. Yeah, he has the authority. And as he came in to work, they made some precious discoveries about him. And as we face the storms of life, it will help us to know all we can about the one who rides in our vessel. I, I don't know about you, but is Jesus rolling with you? Yeah, I know we always say we're rolling with him. But the fact of the matter is the uh, disciples was rolling or rowing across the Sea of Galilee toward the other side. And the fact is Jesus was on board with them. Yeah, that, that's what the facts are. Here are some discoveries that you and I can take from this lesson. The first thing, they made discoveries about his promises. Yeah, if you go back to verse 35, Jesus said to them, let us pass over to the other side. And, and let me just say for the record, family, in the midst of your storms, just remember what he said. When Jesus said, let us pass over to the other side, there was no storm. There was no devil in hell that was going to stop the disciples from getting to the other side. That, that, that's just a fact. And just as he said, they passed over to the other side. Doesn't mean that they didn't have some, some situations. Doesn't mean that they didn't have some problems. But the fact is they did make it over. To the other side, they learned that he was good as his word. That, that's what they learned. That was a discovery for them. He still is, family. I want you to know he's still good as his word. Whatever his word says, he, he's good. He, he can make that happen for you. Everything he has promised can do. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4, verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. I just want you to make, make sure you mark that in your Bible. That's Romans chapter four, verse 21. And whenever you have doubt, whenever doubt begins to creep into your mind, just remember and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. In other words, whatever God says, specifically as it pertains to the promises to his people, they are always yes and amen. I'm in agreement with them because I know whatever he promises, he's able to perform it. They discovered some things about his promises, but they also discovered some things about his presence. When the Lord is in your vessel, when he's on board with you, you have the advantage. Many of us over the last couple of months, we watched the last dance 
which was a documentary series, 10 part, I believe, documentary series about Michael Jordan and his last championship. And here's here's the premise that they want you to believe from watching it. There were some ups and some downs and some good things and some bad things. But here's what they want you to believe is that if Michael Jordan was on your team, you always had a chance to win. Let, let me just tell you something, family. Michael Jordan's a good player, He's a great player. Uh, many believe he was the greatest player to ever lace up a pair of tennis shoes. But the fact of the matter, if Jesus is on your team, yeah, yeah, Jesus is on your team, you always have the advantage. The Bible says in verse 36 that there uh, were also with him other little ships. Now, listen to me, because sometimes because Jesus is rolling with you, it can bless others. There were little ships with them. The Bible doesn't tell us how many specifically, but the fact of the matter, they were experiencing the storm as well. But aboard the ship, the disciples had the advantage because Jesus was in the ship and they were able to go to him. Listen to me. You have an advantage today because in the midst of your storm, you have somebody that you can call upon and his name is Jesus. Yeah, his name is Jesus. They discovered something about his presence. He was on board. The Bible said there were many ships, but only one of them contained Jesus Christ. The boat was the place to be. That was the boat. That was the boat. That was the place to be. They were able to call on him because he was with them. They were able to see him move on their behalf because he was with them. They were able to experience his peace because he was with them. And I'm telling you, family, today, he's with you. He's with you. But not only did they discover his promises, I got to go. Not only did they discover his presence, but they discovered his power. Yeah, the storm that had so terrified these men posed no problem for Jesus. Yeah, it, it may seem overwhelming to you. It may seem overwhelming to me, but whatever it is we're facing, it's no problem for him. He rebuked the wind and spoke to the sea. And when he did, the winds fell silent and the sea became as a sheet of glass. Just as easily as he had healed the sick and cast out devils, he was able to control the storm. Wow. Family, did you get that? Did you get that? There are some discoveries from the storm. In many cases, we spend too much time complaining about the storm versus talking about what we discovered from the storm. Wow. There's some discoveries from the storms of life. There are some things that you've learned that if you had not gone through some stuff, You'd have never acquired that skill set. You'd have never developed that level of detail and patience and fortitude and wherewithal. But it was in the midst of the storm that you got it. If, if life had just been easy, if everything had just been smooth sailing, you'd have never got some of the things that you got. You would not have prayed the way you pray now and you would not have praised the way you praise now. There's some things you had to go through in order to get to where you are. And remember I said early on, sometimes storms are to prepare you yeah, in order to prepare you. Because once you've been through some stuff, all of a sudden, when some other things begin 
to come up in your life when the wind begins to blow again. And, and so I, there's no doubt in my mind, I can use my spiritual imagination. There perhaps were other times when these fishermen got caught up in storms and guess what they said to themselves? Oh, this ain't nothing compared to what I've been through before. And the same God that rebuked the wind and the waves then is the same God who's rolling with me now. Listen, family, we got to go. Don't ever underestimate the authority of our God. Yeah, don't ever underestimate the authority of God. He's a bad, bad man. Yes, he is. And his name is Jesus. And he's able to take care of the winds and the waves and the tsunamis and the tidal waves and the hurricane. Whatever it is that's going on in your life, we serve a God that knows how to deal with Storms. As a matter of fact, let me say this. He specializes in dealing with storms. Wow. But here's the first thing, family. The danger of the storm. Listen, I'm not telling you that you are far-fetched in having concern for the situation that you find yourself in. But the Bible tells us that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind, uh, the danger of the storm. And perhaps you find yourself in a situation tonight that is creating such angst in your life, it's hard to even focus. You, you have a difficult time even reading the word of God because what you're facing and what God's word says in your mind, because of your doubt, they clash. They're, they're in conflict of one another, the danger of the storm. But then the second part is the doubts in the storm. They will cause you to doubt. They'll cause you to doubt him, to question him, to question his power, to question his authority, to question his presence and his promises. But I'm telling you, just as sure as 16 ounces make a pound, God has the authority. He's in charge. Don't ever think for a second that you can't come out of whatever it is you're in the midst of. And then finally, family, there are the discoveries from the storm. God is developing you. He's preparing you for something even greater. And you have to get through this storm to get to the other side. My God, I'm going to the other side. I just want you to, to know I just realized it myself. Hmm. I'm going to the other side. Listen, family, we got to go. We're out of time. We're out of minutes. We're never out of message, but I'm telling you, we're going to the other side. Until next time, family, listen to me in this 2020 experience. Make sure in all you're getting and all you're doing and all you're being, God is glorified. God bless you, family. Hello, family. It's Pastor Thomas, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. We pray that something was said that encouraged and inspired your heart during this difficult time. I pray that you are being strong and that your spiritual resolve is being fortified and strengthened during this difficult time. To the Mount Sinai family, we want to encourage you, if you've not done so yet, to make sure that as you go on to the website, that you would take a moment to go on and hit the PayPal button and that you would send your tithes and your offerings to the church. We are still a church body and we are still in need of the financial support in which you provide on a consistent and regular basis. If you do not feel comfortable by uh, sending your tithes and offerings by way of PayPal, you 
you can feel free to send a money order or a check or a cashier's check to the church. Uh, attention, uh, our secretary, Sister Lydia Haley, she'll make sure that the deacons get it. We ask that you please do not send cash to the church. And then also we want to encourage those of you who are listening in other states and other countries, we want to thank you for tuning in. I pray that you are encouraged today by that which you've heard. And also, uh, for those of you who are unchurched and unsaved, I pray that this not take the place of uh, a local ministry for you, but that you would go and find a Bible preaching, Bible teaching, and God-fearing church to join with and become a part of that you might go forth sowing much fruit in the kingdom of God. Family, we love you and we thank God for you. And remember, God will be glorified. I can't stop.